welcome to System Mastery, the podcast that helps you pump the brakes on that careening life you've got going on, hands you a steaming mug of informational humor, and has a big pile of drier warm blankets right there on the edge of the sofa waiting for you. This November, we're focusing on cozy games, cozy times, and trying really hard to pretend Jeff doesn't have laryngitis. Today's game is Golden Sky Stories. Welcome to Sweater Weather. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to System Mastery. It's uh, me, your host, Jeff, joined, as always, by my co-host, John. That's right. Yeah. Hey there. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing so much better than you are. Yeah, I'm going to do my best. Uh, this is going to be, uh, but I've had laryngitis for like three days now, and it's kind of a, a, a real killer when your whole job is talking. Yeah, well, I mean, this is going to be a nice little test to see if you can go ahead and talk for about an hour without dying. <laughs> yeah, I've intentionally not talked very much throughout the course of the day. Uh, just let YouTube raise my also sick child. Yeah, man, that's got to be killer for you not getting to talk. Oh, you know how much I hate that. Yeah, just yeah. nodding and agreeing with people instead of pointing out all their shortcomings. You're like, well, hold on. Let me just point out what's wrong with this. I'm like just frantically waving and trying to have them look at the thing I'm writing down. And they're all like, I already know that's some sort of biting critique on my, my recent commentary. No, thank you. No, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. But enough about my ailments. How are uh, How are you doing? Well, I tell you what, we've got uh, we've got possible fleas in the house, so we have been cleaning everything, putting everything into the washer, spraying down anything we possibly can, just vacuuming up all the stuff. Yeah. My room has not been cleaner since I have moved in. Yeah, I spent an insane amount of money on flea stuff when Curry got our cat got fleas recently. And nothing works. Fleas in Southern California have mutated into monsters. They they are you you could take the dog to your dog to the vet and be like, there are fleas on this dog, and they'll be like, you want oh, us to shit. kill? Why it? did you take this <laughs> yeah. in here? You want us to put it in the trash compactor or what? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's just it's not a, a not a nice time. I've already got you know a bunch of bites on my legs. Oh, so that sucks. Yeah. yeah, you're gonna have to start wearing plastic bags. Tie them off at the uh, upper thigh. Yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna not sleep. for the fleas, just because I think you'd look good that way. <laughs> just look. It's called fashion. Have you heard of it? <laughs> have you seen what Balenciaga is doing these days? You couldn't do worse. <laughs> uh that sounds like a dare. <laughs> so, so yeah, we're uh, we're gonna be focusing for the month of November on games that just make you feel good. Yeah, we're we're doing a nice. Calm, relaxing, sweater weather look at some some good old cozy games. Yeah, the branding, in case you're curious, because this is kind of our new uh, ween, is uh, not, not like new ween, which was our, our most recent yeah, ween. It's not like new ween. New ween, it, which is our ween of uh, of this October past. This is, uh, this is going to be our new holiday thing, sweater weather, where we focus on cozy stuff for the month of November. Yeah, just some real nice games with a focus on things that aren't combat. Yes, yeah, non-combat or at least minimal combat games. Yeah, where the, the things where the stakes are a little lower, the people are a little friendlier, mm -hmm. and, and I'm a little higher. <laughs> oh, come on. Get higher. <laughs> 
Well, can you take me higher? <laughs> I can. <laughs> so, so we're going to start with Golden Sky Stories. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm, yes. Mm. I don't know why we're doing the NPR show. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be the game. I don't know that we necessarily need to also talk the whole time like, I don't know, Ira Glass's sexy brother. <laughs> <laughs> I Who assume I've, he has one. I've definitely met before. <laughs> uh, Golden Sky Stories is, uh, well, it, it, we knew about it because people constantly talk about the couple of big Japanese games from the past two or three decades, uh, this one in Ryutama, where they are very magical, very small focus, very cutesy, and generally speaking, sort of non-combat, focusing instead on little slice-of-life stories. Yes, and uh, this is originally uh, Japanese. It came out in 2006, Mm -hmm. then got an English translation, which is what we have, uh, came out in 2013. Yes, and uh, it, it's a fun little note for us that when we did Made many, many years ago, we actually were reached out to by the person who translated it into English, and uh, he also did the translation for this. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. And you fucked it up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying we have kind of a, a, there's a fun connection we're aware of, that's all. Yeah, <laughs> so it's fun that there's a little connection there where you fucked up. <laughs> I, I, I'm, it's not like either of us are professional translators. Oh, wait a minute. I'm, su- I'm supposed to be making this all comfy. Again. Yes, we're supposed to be nice. Yeah, you did a great job and everyone loves it. Oh, now it's You're cookies. <laughs> You're getting cookies and milk. You're putting that translation right on the fridge. <laughs> uh, but I, I honestly uh, enjoy the game. I, I like that we get uh, this English translation of the game. I, you know, as you know, people who read RPGs for a living, mm-hmm. whenever we can get something that is like any other country in any other language that gets translated here, I love to see that because I want to see what other cultures are doing with the concept of an RPG that we aren't. Oh yeah. It's the same thing. Like, you know, whenever you go to see any sort of foreign film or anything, you're like, I want to see what other people are doing. Yeah. And it's, it's vanishingly rare that we can actually come up with them. Like I remember Engel, I think was one for us, or there was at least one other that, that were, uh, German made or, or something from that part of the world. We did have, I think a French one. Yeah. Yeah. Japan has its own little kind of interesting microcosm of role-playing games. Like, Call of Cthulhu was huge over there. Yeah, well, uh, be- largely because they got there kind of early and and uh, were willing to a- allow Japanese arts for the covers and so on. So that they had this whole kind of neat thing, new new dynamic going with role playing games. There, everything is a lot more D six coming out of Japan as well because they don't have the same kind of industry, industry for yeah. various polyhedrals. Mm-hmm. But you know, you can always get D sixes and whatever the hell you want. So. Yeah, that's I mean, uh, it's much easier to do, and I enjoy that sort of thing of being like, oh yeah, it's just being able to get whatever you've got. Yeah. Now, granted, that's old news. Like, I'm sure polyhedrals. <laughs> old news. Yeah, I'm sure the polyhedrals have infested the Japanese Isles by now. Yes, we have invasive D fours. <laughs> They're doing all their laundry. <laughs> got all their clothes in the dryer. They're they're uh, they're they're deep cleaning all the carpets to get rid of all these D fours. <laughs> you can't. You'll be like, ah, finally, all the D fours are gone, and then you're like, ow, motherfucker! Ah, <laughs> oh, shoot, I found a, a clutch of D four eggs. 
Yeah, just little D2s. <laughs> just coins. No, you man. can't trust them. D2s. <laughs> uh, but this is a game about playing as the Henge. Um, or, uh, I mean, I originally... fabulous chicken. <laughs> hey, what's a Henge? <laughs> <laughs> Not much. What's Henge with you? <laughs> But no, I, I mean, I originally learned this term as like a lot of older gamers as Henge Yokai, yeah, um, which is one of the playable cr- uh, races in like old Oriental Adventures D and D supplements. Yep, but I'm pretty sure that that is a compound word made up of two different types of Japanese monsters, and it isn't the correct way to say it. Well, I think it's more uh, Henge being a subset of Yokai. Yeah, where Yokai is kind of just Japanese spirits and ghosts, just being like this is. You know, fairies, yeah, essentially. But then you'd go, there are brownies and sprites and things like that, sort of along that line. Yeah. So you can tell they're not Oni, which is another grouping of Japanese monsters, but they're more like the fairy side of it. Yeah, I don't know. We're making this ones. up. What hey, are we, translators? What the fuck do I know about things? <laughs> what do you think? I went and did research. Go back and listen to some early episodes. Motherfucker, we do not do research. I'm too busy <laughs> sitting in a nice, warm place having apple cider, and I'm never doing research. In all- sweater weather. <laughs> I like that you go to the sweater weather after starting the sentence with motherfucker. You <laughs> motherfucker. really are. We're, we're probably going to have to ease into the sweater weather as a concept, aren't we? <laughs> Look, it's hard one for me to calm down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always a little riled up, you know? And I, I need tried. to have a, a, a few cups of that mulled wine before go. I get mellowed. <laughs> and I tried recording the smooth intro, but I lit it, my voice cracked and I fall, fell apart. Yeah. So that's where our <laughs> mental states are at. Yeah, you tried to read the intro, but it was basically like a 12-year-old just met his crush. So. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh. <laughs> so so I, apparently the only place where my voice works is if I use my, my usual angry podcast voice. Yeah, if you're loud enough, you can push through the pain. <laughs> I can. So... I'm sorry. Next sweater weather will be better. Hopefully that'll be the one that we record in two weeks. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the general idea of being a henge, uh, a animal spirit that in this just sort of, you have a town that is the town that you are at. Mm-hmm. You hang out there. This isn't, you know, traveling around. And it's also very centered on the countryside. Mm-hmm. Like this is very pastoral. It's just like, we're going to hang out in places that don't even have, like, paved roads. You might have, like, one central street or something. Yeah, this is really focusing in on small, small, more hamlet life than anything else. Like, one-horse towns. Yeah. Where the train comes maybe once an hour, and it's the dead end of the line, and the ticket taker isn't even open most of the day. Yeah, I mean, for most U.S. audiences... Just think Totoro. <laughs> yes. Well, this kind of like pastoral focus on on uh, mountain and, and tiny little towns that are like deep in the woods and so on is a common element in Japanese like storytelling. Yes. So it's it's nice to see it represented here. That doesn't mean that I didn't immediately start picturing the urban version of this with like rat and pigeon henge. Hey, had <laughs> you needed uh, help with uh, your gambling debts. I'm 12 years old. Ain't I adorable? <laughs> hey, me and this cockroach hangy, we can fix your problems if uh, if the price is right. Hey, yeah, what uh, I'm saying is I'll do it for a strip of dentine ice gum you stepped on. Look, hey, you got problems. I can, you know, fix them, if you know what I mean. <laughs> hey, no questions asked. You don't say anything. I don't say anything. 
I'm just saying, City Henge sounds really fun to me as well. I, I'm just, it's, it, what it's, I'm saying is I want to ruin this game. Not at all. <laughs> I'm just saying that would also be a, a fun time. Ugh. But uh, yeah, you, you play as the Henge, and really, when, when I say play here, it is an extremely small target. Uh, you're not going on grand adventures. You're going to encounter children from town, sometimes adults from town, who are having small slice of life problems, and you are going in your own bumbling, my brain is an animal's brain way, help them with their problems. Yeah. So, you know, you'll have things where it's just like, oh, this kid is sad. He lost his toy or something. And you're like, great. I'm going to help calm this kid down. We're going to go look for it. You know, maybe at worst we'll confront like a bully or something. Mm-hmm. But even then, it's the type of game where you're like, oh, the bully is just angry or sad about something else. So you help them with that. Yeah. Like the closest thing this game has to a wound mechanic is a, uh, a a measuring tool called surprise. Yeah. Where you can really surprise someone, surprise them enough that they fall down. Yeah. A surprise someone right into an early grave. <laughs> you know what I mean? Me and this cockroach over here. <laughs> uh, now, now, you, now you pigeon hang gay. <laughs> I don't think there's anything stopping you from playing a pigeon one in this game. It'd just be weird. Yeah. I mean, technically, one of the categories of Henge you can be is just bird. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> uh, okay. So, yeah, that that's going to be the basic premise. You just help people from the town and you very slowly build relationships because it's a game all about connection, about relationships between you and the other players, between you and the other people you meet in the town, and even between you and the town itself. Yep. Uh that's, I mean, most of the mechanics in here are really based on, like, how connected are you with other people and the town? Because, mm-hmm. like, all of your ability to accomplish your goals, use your special little spirit powers, all of that is based on the strength of your connections. Yep. So, in order to, you know, be as powerful and min maxi as you can be you've got to be the friendliest most connected nicest motherfucker well granted one of the mechanics you can use to pay for powers to activate them in this game is entirely based on doing cool shit that impresses other people at the table and that one i believe is is that dreams yes dreams is the resource you have that is the closest to xp that this game has Mm -hmm. and it's all based on Essentially, where other games might give you like, oh, you get stunt dice or you get stunt points or whatever. This game is like, were you cute? Did you some do something adorable? And everyone at the table was like, aw. You, they can award you dream. Yeah. And one dream point for any person if you did something. And, you know, it's based on anyone. So, like, the GM can give it to you. Other players can give it to you. You can give it to the GM, the narrator in this game, as they're called. Uh, Indeed. It, and it's, it's good if you do that because it's another way for them to be able to be like, oh, I can have someone else strengthen a connection with you. Exactly. The primary function of Dream is to spend it to strengthen connection and bonds between uh, various players. And if you want people from the town or the small gods from the local like uh, nature areas around the town to build connection with your character, then you need to give the narrator Dream to spend as well. Yeah. So there's a constant exchange of, oh, did you even act like your character out loud for a second, you should get some dream. (laughs) Uh, But of course the game's like, you don't have to give anything. Even if someone does something and everyone else at the table is like, 
here's a point of dream. Don't feel pressured to give one. Yeah. And as well, if no one gives anyone but you like it, don't feel like, oh, I shouldn't give one. Yeah. Give it whenever you think it's appropriate. All up to you. Yeah. Now, it may sound like the the optimal way to play this, then, is to just always give everyone dream anytime they do anything. <laughs> what, did you do anything? Here's dream. Yeah, because you're, uh, you're allowed to do it once per scene per player. So if you've got a four-player game going and a narrator, then you can personally hand out four dream every turn. One to each of the other three players and one to the narrator. Yeah. So you're thinking, well, everyone should all give out all four of their dream every turn so we can rapidly ascend and build these connections. <laughs> but then again, that is the only thing to do in this game is to build these connections and to tell these stories. Yeah. So if you want to race, if you want to speed run it, great. But the, <laughs> why are you the, playing Golden Sky stories? There's nothing else. <laughs> if you're the type of person who's like, we've got to absolutely maximize our dream game. You're like. Dude, play a different game. Yeah. What are you doing? This isn't right for you. Take <laughs> off that sweater. You're in the wrong weather. <laughs> you fucked up. You're you're in blazer weather. You want to destroy my sweater. <laughs> well, if you want to. <laughs> so there are uh, six types of henge you can play. Indeed. Theoretically, you can play more. Maybe there's supplements that have more. I have no idea. Uh, but they are focused on kind of the most common pastoral types of animals you may encounter around a tiny... Japanese mountain town. Uh, those are fox, raccoon dog, dog, cat, rabbit, and bird. And raccoon cat. And raccoon bird and bird dog. <laughs> and fox rabbit. <laughs> Task rabbit. <laughs> Flash rabbit. We've got all of them. <laughs> Energizer bunnies uh. and leprechauns. <laughs> oh, man. How much do I want to play a leprechaun in this? <laughs> that would be pretty great to just have just sort of a visiting leprechaun, you know, foreign exchange program. Yeah, it's like, oh, hi, I'm here from Ireland. I heard you have spirits here. Oh, you're helping out the locals. I'll do that, too. And by that, I mean, I'll ruin their lives. <laughs> I'll fix each and every shoe. <laughs> I mean, I assume that's brownies, but but still, eh, you know, and also I should not be doing voices today. No, that came not up. even your regular not, voice. No, I should, should shut up. <laughs> I should go to bed. <laughs> I mean, that much is true, yes. But the show must go on. <laughs> <laughs> this is the work ethic yelling at me. Like, I know we just moved to monthly specifically so that we can we can have emergencies. <laughs> yes, for this specific reason. And yet. <laughs> it didn't matter. Each one of the, the uh, six types of henge you can choose from have very interesting, very different personalities. They also have four stats. Uh, stats are entirely determined by you. You can put anywhere between a one and a four. I think you get eight points to spend yeah. on each of the four stats. And those stats are two opposing pairs. One of them is uh, adult and child. Mm -hmm. And the other one is henge and animal. Yes, indeed. Now, henge and animal aren't really opposing because one of the important things about the lore and story of this game is that henge are just animals. They're animals that have the ability to take human form, but ultimately they're animals. <laughs> They animals. Mm -hmm. uh, and I mean, the <laughs> the adult child is an entirely opposite. Uh, mostly it's uh, so like Henge. We'll go through the stats just real quick. One mm -hmm. by one uh, is really going to be if you are focusing on your character's like supernatural aspects, your special powers, uh, you know, your knowledge of the gods and like your status among people like Henge is much more, ah, this is, 
this is my supernatural special power thing. Animal is, you know, like it says, how good you are at being an animal. Are you strong? Are you fast? Yeah. You know, can you climb trees? Do you have heightened senses? Stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, now, the adult child is adult is being able to, you know, act with finesse, mm-hmm. use machines, uh, be able to, you know, tell how other people are feeling having that level of empathy, even just understanding stuff that's happening in town. Yeah. Like if you see a bus go by and you have no idea what the crap that is because you're a rabbit, (laughs) then you can, you can, you make an adult check to see if you know what that is. But I mean, everyone has this. So the adults in town also have adult. Yes. And the child is, uh, much more about expressing emotion, being able to charm people or, you know, be too cute to get into trouble, yeah. things like that. Yeah, it's wonderment. It's a uh, so yeah. You have those stats all range between uh, one and four. Of course, with eight points, you can give yourself a set of straight twos. But of course, you're more likely to give yourself a couple of threes, a couple of ones. Build your character to be interesting. Yeah. Now you can uh, put your adult at zero if you are one of the characters. So a henge can be like, I'm adult zero because I am literally just a fucking animal and do not understand what is going on here. Like, that's the type of thing where you're like, yeah, you see a bus go by and go, what the fuck was that? That's an adult zero character. You should ultimately be very confused if you see a bus go by because, uh, what is it doing in your little tiny nobody town? Well, dropping off the new person in town that you'll have to greet. Well, that must be it. That makes perfect sense. Or taking them away. (laughs) Yeah, it's very sad. You have to wave to them, and uh, they're going to go, I don't know, live with their mom now. Well, one of the the story prompts was someone who was about to leave town. Like, there's a whole list of types of people you'll find in town towards the back of the book that I actually found very endearing because they were more defined by what they're doing than by what they are. Yes. So it wasn't things like, oh, I'm an old shopkeep. It was things like a person who is will die soon (laughs) (laughs) or a person who is in trouble, because that's to you as a as a animal spirit. That's the relevant aspect of them. How can I improve their life? Not how can I interact with the fact that they are a banker? Yes. (laughs) Like, I don't really care if it's like, ooh, here's local baseball star. Like, that doesn't matter to me. Yeah. Unless they need help with their baseball starring. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, so th- once you have those four stats, that's pretty much the major thing you need to do to get your character built beyond choosing one of the six types of Henge. And I'm pretty sure that's... And then choosing powers and then, I of know. course, making connections. Yeah, I know, I know. Connections are going to happen during character creation as well. I believe they're all just set to two. Um, okay, so what are the six types of Henge you can play as? We've mentioned them already, but let's go into them in detail. Yeah, so you get your... We'll just go one by one. So sure, the we'll Fox... Start with Fox. Fox Henge are probably the most capable and the most adult, generally speaking, of the various spirit animals they can be. They are certainly, they tend to be the oldest and the most respected among the humans. Yes. And even among other Henge, people will look to foxes as sort of leaders, Mm -hmm. uh, people who are more knowledgeable, usually because the whole thing is like, Oh, if you're a fox spirit, you might be fucking hundreds of years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, there may be a shrine built to you. Or yeah, to you're one of the parents. few ones that might actually have like a small shrine in town. And so you can interact with local gods on more of an even footing. Yeah, where your average henge that's not a fox tends to be more kind of just connected to the natural world, more physical, more more reality based. 
Foxes tend to have one foot in sort of the spirit realm. They have a stronger connection to the local gods. Uh, they may even be local gods themselves. Yeah, so the, definitely the most likely to have a high score in adult is mm -hmm. the fox. Uh, and when you make your fox, of course, uh, you will pick a few powers that you can get to start off with. Yes. Uh, now, you only get a couple to start, but you can also pick between one to three weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And the game strongly encourages that you pick the weaknesses because... Well, I mean, you have to have at least one. Yes. And you can only have up to three. All of them have four in their selections. Mm -hmm. But they're like, uh, a weakness comes with its own power. So uh, if you pick a certain weakness, you get the power that goes along with it. Yeah. Rather than your standard sort of like merits and flaws of, oh, I'll pick the weaknesses or the flaws that do the least and then try and get some better powers. If you want a certain power or a certain weakness, they're very tied. So yeah. And weaknesses in this it. are largely story hooks anyway, so they don't hurt you to take them that much. Like I think the first weakness for Fox is just being addicted to fried tofu. Yeah. One of the, you know, uh, stereotypes for foxes being that they just can't get enough of that. They're fried tofu. And so, that's one of your weaknesses you could pick. But, uh, yeah, you get a... I can't remember how many powers you get to pick to start with. I think it's three? I, I, I didn't remember anything about picking a number of powers to start. I, I thought you got all of the starting powers and then could have up to three of the weaknesses. I guess you do get yeah, the basic get the six, powers. The six basic powers you, you automatically start with. Yeah. And then you can pick up it's, the three weaknesses. It's just picking the weaknesses. Yeah, so for a fox... And, okay, so I think this might be the first time you're going to hear us say anything kind of, uh, let's say, iffy about this title. Yes. It might just be a cultural difference. I don't know for sure. But, yeah. But uh, the first Fox power is alluring, so you can play, like, you know, a, an, an attractive... Kitsune? Little, a kits, you know, because you're, like, foxy, and you, you're, like... So you have a mysterious charm that can confuse the opposite sex. Yeah. Uh, now, on. it's a... Uh, all of the basic powers that you get and the powers you get from weakness have a cost to them uh, that you can spend your, uh, I think, wonder yes, on. Yes, it's wonder. Uh, so alluring is zero. You just get to be alluring. And on the one side, obviously, I'm like, this is a game about like children. I, I'm a fox and I'm nine years old when I turn into a human. I'm sexy. And I'm like, <laughs> no. But on the other hand, there is that sort of like, uh, not sexy, but alluring or, you know, that kind of thing where it's like, oh, two 11 year olds meet and one of them's like, bye, and like kisses the other one on the head. And then they're like, oh, and they're all, you know, No, I get it. I'm, I don't disagree. I think I think part of it, it, it comes from a couple sources that the, the kind of twinge of, of, of cringe factor that I'm getting from this. <clears throat> one of them is definitely opposite sex. Well, yeah, because, you know, normally you get that kind of like, oh, when you're an 11 year old, you can easily fall in love or in, in a little kid version of love with someone just because of how cool or collected or interesting they are. Yeah, it's like, oh, I met this rad person and they have fucking a fox tail and they were like, hey, I'll help you out with your problems. And I immediately fell in love with them. Yeah. And then the other one is when we're uh, way before this character creation section that we're looking at right now. Each of the character uh, Henge archetypes gets a write-up written by the uh, kind of 
P, uh, NPC version. There's a, each one of the six types has its own NPC in the book. Yes, there's only, a sample character for each. We only really focus on three of them. But uh, the, but each one of them gets a sample character, and each one of their sample characters gets a whole story. And those stories kind of have that vibe to them where they're like, oh, well, raccoon dogs tend to be, I don't want to say it. Do you think I'm plump? Oh, and you're like, no, oh, I don't want this. I don't like, I don't like, this is like a five-year-old. I'm good. Oh. <laughs> I don't need her freaking out that her legs are too short or something. That's <laughs> let her live in the fun times when a little kid doesn't give a shit what their body looks like. Yeah. Let let some seven year old be like, oh, yeah, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I do not care how much my stomach is sticking out. I have a ring pop, and Power <laughs> Rangers is on. Also, I'm a raccoon dog. Yeah, exactly. So the those two things combined, the kind of self descriptions from these characters, which were just a little bit on the lolly side, and then this one power kind of led me going. going eh. A lot of it's not that bad though. No, and again. It's not like there is a seduction mechanic to this. No. There's, it's not, you know, because this game very clearly isn't about that. Mm -hmm. uh, the whole alluring thing, if you just, you know, did get rid of the whole opposite sex, which makes it be more about like, oh, because it is about, you know, how attracted I am to you physically. If you were to just say like, Oh, you are charming and can use that to like befuddle those around you or strengthen your connections. I'd be like, great. Fox spirit. Everyone thinks you're fucking great. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, you know, I always have to bring up when I spot just anytime the usage of the phrase, the opposite sex. Yeah. It's unnecessarily heteronormative. It could be easily removed with no real consequences. And it's not like, you know, I didn't realize I was personally by until my early twenties. And even when I was a little kid though, when I was like eight or nine, I would say the nine-year-old I had the biggest obsession with was my male friend Yuki because he had a Game Boy. <laughs> and that may not sound that impressive, but I'm really old, and that Game Boy was from Japan before they were released in America. Huh? huh? <laughs> so, so like, I'm, I'm just saying it'd be an easy thing to strike from the record, but we shouldn't spend forever on this one power. No. Just, just going to qualify any sort of problems we have with it really comes from our own culture and experience with other RPGs rather than this being a fault of this one. Yeah. The book has some things that would be, I would have maybe called out as problematic if the book didn't allay those concerns for me early. Yeah. Like for example, all six of the NPCs are little girls Uh huh. and they make a point to be like, yeah, we wrote them all as little girls. Cause that's what the artist wanted to draw or something. It doesn't matter. You can make a hangay, whatever you want. Yeah. You it's, can have little boy hangays. You can have whatever you want. It's fine. So I was like, okay with that. All right. Uh, foxes can also make the back of their tail catch on fire so they can see what's going on in a scene or just make them appear more mysterious and interesting. Yeah, they're the most, again, Magic sort of mystical yeah. of these. They've got the ability to, like, predict things, turn invisible, create fairy rain. <laughs> yeah, they're the most mystical. The, the raccoon dog is, is also fairly mystical. Although when we get to the dog, I love that the dog, all six of their powers are just good things about dogs boy you a dog just, <laughs> you a good boy it's just good shit about dogs it's just the shit about dogs every day that we all like about dogs and you know, i was like yes that's great yeah i mean <laughs> the base zero power for both dog and cat is hey man you're a dog or a cat people yeah. are like cool a dog or a cat i'm not concerned about this at all <laughs> i'm used to dogs and i'm happy to have one around yay yeah i think it's also true for birds because everyone's just like yeah, yeah oh look like a bird there's always birds around <laughs> Uh, the weaknesses 
for uh, foxes. We already mentioned the addiction to fried tofu. But this is the neat thing. When you pick a weakness, you don't get to also pick an extra power. It comes with a power attached that is usually thematically relevant. Yeah. So if you're addicted to fried tofu, then you're really falling into two stereotypes. So not only is it the stereotype of like, oh, you can't help but try and get your hands on some fried tofu, but also it's the stereotype of like, ooh, foxes are liars and tricksters and they can make you believe things. Yeah. So, so you get the liar power. Exactly. You get the ability to make any person believe a lie you just told them uh, in, unless they find extremely clear evidence to the contrary. Yeah. So it's neat because, you know, if you're addicted to fried po- tofu, you'll probably go to some lengths to get it. Yeah. You're going to be like, hey, uh, I'm here to pick up the fi- fried tofu for delivery. <laughs> like, we don't do deliveries. Oh, you do on this one. Yeah. This is, uh, this is a new thing. The manager's trying it out. <laughs> We don't, this is my house. What manager? Look, do you want to get fired? (laughs) (laughs) Look, how do you spell your last name? Fine, fine. Here's the, you're 11. Why are you bullying me? (laughs) Uh, It's because I'm so alluring. (laughs) I'm very charming. (laughs) Uh, But similarly, for example, pride is another one of their weaknesses where you uh, have kind of an arrogant air about you because foxes know that they're the most mystical elderly and importance of all the henge so all it does when as a weakness is you you need to uh, other people need to pay extra to build a connection with you yeah because you're so sort of arrogant and haughty trying to get through to you and make a connection is a little bit harder yeah but the whole thing of oh i'm prideful well you also have a shrine there's a reason you think so highly of yourself and that's generally because the humans around you have also thought highly of you literally worship you with money and stuff you get you get some yen and I don't know maybe some tofu or something. I do love that they start that that everyone else starts as just an animal. When you turn into a human, you have an outfit that pops in as well. Yeah, you just go boop and now I've got whatever outfit I normally wear. But you just have an outfit, but unless you're a a fox henge with this ability, then you also have about 100 bucks. Yeah, you'd be like, "Ooh, I'm going to go buy me a nice hat." <laughs> I'm going to go buy tofu. This is going to be a real short adventure, guys. <laughs> guys, <laughs> I picked two weaknesses, and I probably picked the wrong two. I'm leaning real heavy into the fact that I've got income, and I want something. <laughs> so, uh, raccoon dogs are up next. And, you know, you may not be especially familiar with raccoon dogs as a concept. They are adorable. Yeah. Also known as the tanuki. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, here we do not get a lot of stuff about their giant, super useful <laughs> testicles. <laughs> Because, again, all six of the NPCs are little kid, little girls. Yeah. Uh, but raccoon dogs are sort of on the opposite scale from the foxes. They, where foxes are generally seen to be like these ancient spirits that are very, like, noble and knowledgeable and they're leaders. Raccoon dogs are sort of goofy, little kid. They're, they're like, ah, I just like to have fun and, and play tricks and they... Their whole big deal is they can do transformation stuff. So yes. they can, like, turn leaves into money. They can turn themselves into cars. Mm-hmm. Like, they are... They're uh, like turbo teens. <laughs> they are 100% in no way dissimilar from turbo teen. 100% identical. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, they are, you know, in the way that you would focus on sort of adult as a fox, you'd probably focus more on child as a raccoon dog because mm-hmm. they are, you know, stereotypically just 
they're they're fun tricksters and they like to have a good time. Yeah, and the NPC one is definitely a little more on the kind of. Uh, oh, I'm so clumsy. Uh, oh. Yeah, uh, I think they did a great job with all the NPC. There's a lot of character stories in here that are done in like RPG examples, and the 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 uh, person playing the raccoon dog is extremely good at playing dumb. Oh yeah, they they're just they they're very good at blurting out obvious facts and then wondering where people heard that. <laughs> Yeah, they're so. like, oh, I'm going to make it so that there are no secrets and just say them out loud and be mm-hmm. like, yeah, well, we're definitely not spirits or anything. <laughs> yes. So so they're fun at playing kind of the blunt, a little bit like not tactful role. Yeah. And I mean, even one of their powers on their weakness powers thing is if you have the weakness of being gullible, where you'll just sort of believe whatever people tell you, your power is being careless and the whole thing is you're clumsy, but the fact that you're clumsy makes it so that people who see you like fall down and hurt yourself want to help you. It helps you make connections. And I'm like, that's great because you're like, hey, wait up a second. You just sort of fall down and scrape your knee. And then the person you were running after is like, oh, oh, are you OK? And so it turns what would normally be in, say, another game, another weakness mm-hmm. into a power you use. Yeah, absolutely. You, you can you can uh, either engender sympathy or simply amuse people by just being sort of a clumsy doofus. Exactly. It's very cute. And it's a very effective power as well, because it's one of the greatest ways to hand out dream in this game, because it costs six wonder to activate and up to three people who see you do your little pratfall, get to dream. Which is great, because you can still hand out your dream for the scene. You're really pumping up the connections. Yeah, it is it is just a way for people to be like, aw, I feel more connected to this person who is clearly just falling on their ass a lot. I love that almost all of the Tanuki Dog's weakness-generated powers are basically, this guy's kind of a goof. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're like, oh, you can do a silly little dance called the Tanuki Dance, and anyone who sees it's just delighted. Yeah, they're, they're like, like, oh, <laughs> look at that little fucking guy go. Yeah. Or you can just not do anything for a scene and get a bunch of bonuses because you're just like, ah, I'm just going to fall asleep. Yeah. I'll just fall asleep in the middle of the scene. I'm not going to participate. And in exchange, I'll get like a ton of wonder. Yeah, it's interesting because all of their base powers that you get are mostly uh, based around the whole transformation thing where yes. either they can turn into, you know, items or a monster or whatever, or they can turn money into or like leaves or acorns into money, or they can make a copy of like someone so they can look like somebody else. There's all of these things that are based on that aspect of their magic, but then all the weakness and additional powers are just, you're kind of a goofy little dude. And I love that every one of their goofy little dude weaknesses is your weaknesses that you're a goofy little dude. And your new power is that you're a goofy little dude. Yeah. It's great. It's like, Oh, you're a glutton. Okay, that's my weakness. What's my power? You have a stomach worm, so it's fine that you eat so much. <laughs> like, yeah. okay. And the stomach worm isn't a bad thing. It sounds like you've got a parasite, but all it is is that you can make a rumbly tummy sound that relaxes people. Yeah, everyone's like, oh, I like <laughs> listening to the <laughs> that raccoon dog be like, gurgle, gurgle, gurgle. <laughs> One of my favorite things they can do is the tanuki drumming, where they can summon like bunches of other raccoon dogs, and then they all do a cool drumming dance. It has to be nighttime when you do it. But it sets everyone's adult attribute to zero, so you can stop people. Yeah, so everyone's just fucking delighted. Everyone's just happy, not trying to accomplish tasks and just enjoying the moment. Yeah, no one's like, oh, I need to do business. They're just like, oh, fucking look at those little guys go. (laughs) It's the best way to stop a dad from doing business on Christmas. Yeah, it's like, god damn it, dad, quit doing business and get over here and 
make a Christmas tree and, oh my God, are you going to work on Christmas Eve? I divorce you as a son. <laughs> But instead of that, your Tanuki can help them out by being like, and then a bunch of Tanuki come up and are like, hey, yeah. Macarena. Look at our balls. Look at our enormous balls. I'm like, ah, oh, those balls have reminded me what the season's really about. <laughs> Sweaters. Purchasing my child a delightful sweater. Okay, cats. Cats. I mean, you know what cats are. So, the, And so does the game. They're pretty straightforward. They're standoffish. Uh, but the people they like, they really like. They're very curious. Uh, they're sneaky. And, they're quiet. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, as we mentioned earlier, their zero point power, the one that's just always on, is just that you're a cat. And so when people see you, they don't go like, oh, my gosh, like they would a Tanuki or yeah. a fox. They're just like a cat. Everyone. Yeah. Hey, a cat. Look at that. There should be cats around that. I'm not concerned about this. Yeah, this is <laughs> this is not at all concerning to me. Yeah. And each one of the, of the species that has the. uh Th that that ability will also usually have an ability that's like, oh, I'll call an insane number of this species into the area, which causes you to lose the power for a little while. Yeah. You're um, like, oh, it's fine if I see a cat. But if I see like 20 cats, I fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in the wrong neighborhood. The only one of those where I had any kind of concern with it was birds, because I'm like, if I see like 20 birds at most, I'll be like, wow, that's a lot of crows. I won't be like something weird's going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, unless I'm in a Hitchcock film, and then I'll be like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. If I see like 20 birds and they're attacking the phone booth I'm in, <laughs> I might be a little more concerned. Or if they just fly in place while I awkwardly swing hang a hanger at them. Yeah, you know, that. Or if like just, you know, a bird gif pokes at me. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I can't do voices. Uh, So, yeah. And, and again, you know, you get your weaknesses, you get your powers that are all sort of based on being the same or the opposite of whatever it is. Yeah. So, like, you can choose to not be able to swim, but you're super acrobatic. Mm -hmm. uh, things like that. Yeah. Uh, I like the one that, that cats are extremely picky for food, so they have cat tongue. And then the opposite of that being that uh, you can lie about things. Because so I, I like that one just because it's like, hey, feed me. There's food in your bowl. Yeah, but it's not the good food. Yeah. Mm, I'm confused There's about that. There's none in the middle, though. <laughs> exactly. So those are they're, they're fun. Uh, dogs. Oh my God. I love dogs in this game so much. Fucking dogs rule, man. <laughs> Everyone knows dogs rule, but here they're the best. Yeah. Cause like we were saying earlier, absolutely the very best thing about dogs in this is that they're not magic even a little bit. <laughs> there is, there is no aspect of a henge dog beyond the fact that it can turn into a person that is magical in any way. Oh yeah. Cause Everyone... all of their powers are like, what is this? Oh, if you're like, stick close to a person, they'll feel calm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, if someone pets you, they're happy. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. You can lick someone's face and they'll feel better. Okay. Mm -hmm. You can scare off people at things by howling and barking and being menacing. Huh? Yeah, that's what dogs can do. Yeah. Oh, if it looks like someone's in danger, you can show up and help them. Great. Fucking, yeah, it's, that's your powers. Exactly. You're a dog. <laughs> Even the weaknesses are like this. There's no do dogs feel utterly mundane, despite the fact that, again, they are magical animal people. Uh, yeah. Like. Ah, uh, you have the weakness of you have a master, you have a collar on, mm -hmm. someone owns you, and then it, your additional power is, yeah, but you also have a house that you live in, which is pretty neat. Yeah, and you have a stronger connection with the person who owns you because you love your owner because you're a dog. Yeah. Uh, you have clumsiness where you can you constantly sort of bumble around and fall down. Uh, uh, all that clumsiness does in this game is the game is diceless. First of all, yeah, you everything is based on. Uh, you have your static stats, mm -hmm. and then if you're making a check, it'll have a difficulty of some number. If you do not reach 
that number baseline, you have to spend some of your points mm-hmm. uh, in order to hit that. In this case, it would be feelings. Uh, feelings are usually what you spend to just meet stat requirements, where wonder is what you usually spend to activate your powers. Uh, or to do things like transform into your various forms. Uh, but you can only spend one point of feelings on any given adult check if you're clumsy, because adulting is the thing you do to, like, be sort of professional and competent. And if you're a clumsy dog, you you can't, you just can't invest that much. <laughs> you're like, look, man, I'm a fucking dopey ass dog. I'm a golden retriever. I cannot invest in being an adult. I'm a dumb motherfucker. But what you get in exchange is perseverance, where you will just never fucking give up. You you can ignore surprise. You are pretty dogged, one might say. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you uh, you basically don't suffer surprise for when, when things happen that would normally shock any other hangar or whatever, because you're just like, no, I gotta I gotta finish my job. I'm a dog. I have a thing I gotta do. Yeah. You can also be like, oh, you're naive. You'll you'll trust people that tell you things. You don't really distrust anyone. And <laughs> And the power is you love everyone because you're a fucking dog. <laughs> you're like, everybody's my friend and I love them. Great. Why wouldn't I? I'm a dog. <laughs> it's fucking wonderful. Yeah. Uh, okay. Next, we have rabbits. Uh, the rabbits in here. Rabbit. <laughs> I wanted to. <laughs> I know. I couldn't. It's okay. I, yeah. I'm here to do the voices that you cannot. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, rabbits are just sort of cute. You get some of the uh, like rabbit on the moon stuff on like making mochi. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mostly you're just like, ah, oh, you're cute. Rabbits are adorable. They're, they just hop around and people think they're kind of, uh, their whole thing with them is they have the stereotype. And of course you can buy that as a weakness of being needy, being yes. very, uh, needful of other people specifically. Yeah. They specifically are extroverted socialites who need to be around people all the time. It is just a stereotype about them, but you can also buy it and be like, yeah, it's real in my case. Yeah. All of the stereotypes for all the animals are like, yeah, that's what a stereotype is, but you can lean into it if you want to play to that type. Mm-hmm. So you can get the loneliness weakness, but then you get the power of friendship and as we all know, that is, of course, magic. Yeah. And because of the rabbit in the moon stereotype, or not stereotype, the rabbit in the moon story from, from Japanese folklore, they have, in addition to the Moki pounding power, where they can just make Moki and give it to people. And it, I think it lets them translate X amount. You, you can give them X amount of feelings for the amount of wonder you spend. Yeah. You just, you pour wonder into your Mochi and then you hand it off to someone else and they get feelings based on how much magic power you put in there. But they also have the Moonlight power, which is one of my favorites of the absolutely huge abilities. It costs 20 Wonder, which is pretty much you can only do this at the end of a long series of sessions. Yeah. Um, but what it does is it it, cre- it creates a magical moonlit night where all the animals turn to humans and all the humans turn to animals. You're like, I'm just going to fuck with stuff. I just love that. You said this party. And plus, the humans who turn to animals aren't limited to the six Henge types. You can have much like bears and boars and... Battlestar Galacticas, just, <laughs> just all over the place. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, I do. I like another thing. Speaking about before, when we were saying like having games that come from other countries and things, I enjoy the stereotypes that other places have about animals that are different from our stereotypes for animals. Yes, because you know, going with say the uh, Kevin and Kel RPG, where it was like. 
all right, here's all the stereotypes about rabbits, they're, and they're, then none of them are the type of stereotypes you have for rabbits here. Yeah, no, notably all the stereotypes you had for rabbits there, whether they were all the same herbivore stereotypes as everyone else, and also they have too many kids. Yeah, the whole thing for us was like, oh, rabbits, they breed really quickly. That's yeah. their whole deal. But here, the whole breeding really quickly, quickly thing has been sort of softened and translated into they are prone to loneliness and they hate to be alone yeah they're like oh you could just die of loneliness if you are a rabbit that's a whole thing mm-hmm. uh but luckily if you take that loneliness weakness in exchange you get friendship where you're really good at making friends everyone loves friendship because you've uh you've learned your problem you're you're fully aware of your weakness and you've learned coping mechanisms to deal with it <laughs> All it does is, earlier we mentioned, when a fox is haughty and arrogant, it costs other people two extra dream to build a connection with them. If you are a friendly rabbit, then you pay one less point of uh, of dream whenever you want to build a connection with someone else. Yeah, you strengthen connections much easier because you're like, oh, I get really attached to people. Yes. Uh, the last one, of course, is birds. And birds are interesting here because they're viewed as kind of the most, like, alien yeah, other they're groups because they're like, oh, everyone else is terrestrial. Mm-hmm. You know, they all sort of hang out in the same areas. The bird being like, oh, they are the only ones that can fly. They have a different outlook because, you know, they can see things from above. And so because of that, they're like, oh, they're very like forgetful. They're kind of like, oh, we're we're not really used to socializing in the way that you socialize yeah, and if you'll pardon the unintended pun they're flighty yes uh because they tend to just go with the wind because they don't really they don't plan their lives the way that mammals do where they like know where they're gonna have to be at the end of the day where instead they just kind of go where breezes take them yeah and because they're so different from other from the other uh henge and people they also tend to have a little bit of a problem like really getting it when someone's talking to them about a problem they'll be like i'm sorry what why don't you just fly away then <laughs> yes yeah they're uh, of all the henge that are trying to solve like the problems of little kids they meet on mountain paths they're the one who is most likely to do it by making a weird alien suggestion that the kid will misinterpret as something that makes any fucking sense at all yeah you're just like look man i don't know <laughs> i got no idea what's going on i'll be i'll be real with you kid <laughs> I got bird problems. <laughs> Look, why don't you have a worm and uh, figure it out? <laughs> Obviously, they start with that baseline zero cost power that they are a bird. And when you see a bird, you don't go, wow, a bird. You're just like, yeah, that's some bird. Yep, that certainly is a bird. So no one finds your presence strange. Uh, they also just straight up have wings. That does cost uh, them wonder to fly. If you want to get up and start flying around during a scene, it costs two wonder to get started. But once you pay it, you're just flying around the whole scene. And you can carry stuff around. Uh, I think the deal with the with when you're a henge that's a bird, you if you're a bird, you're a bird. But if you're a person at the moment, you can have wings. Yeah, and that, when you're a jet, you're a jet all the way. <laughs> from your first cigarette first, first to cigarette. your last dying day. Very, thank you, yeah. Uh, I, I think they have wings sticking out of their backs as opposed to having flyable hands. No, they. I think they... they have flyable hands? I okay. think they have the whole, like wings that there's, sort of drip off the edge of your arms okay there's less art of the bird henge than any of the other npcs yeah the, the book clearly didn't give a shit about yeah. the bird henge she doesn't have she's got nothing going on that every other one of them every time they draw them they've got the tail and the ears all yeah. the time because I, I guess otherwise they're just cute little kids oh well, yeah but, but the bird is just a cute little kid well the thing is you're like oh you don't get a tail or ears if you're a bird henge because that's part of the 
transformation costs go up the more you look human. So for a bird, instead of getting like, oh, I have tails and an e- and uh, tail and ears, you're like I got wings, I guess. Yeah, and which feathers is weird to me because every bird got a tail. That's just part of birds. Part of it. You could have their little feather butts sticking out. That's fine. But yeah, um, okay. You can. They also have like wind control. They can make other people fly. Uh, but they still have the kind of connection building powers as well. One of their their powers is just, hey, feathers are real soft. And if you rest your head in some feathers, buddy, that's going to calm you down. Yeah. It's like having a down pillow. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can only use it when you have wings out, but you can like automatically strengthen a connection to, per- to a person at the cost of 12 wonder, which is a, a pretty steep cost. But hey, hey. M- maybe it's worth it if you got a lot of extra wonder. Maybe. And again, one of the things where it's like, oh, for birds... They have a weakness to, like, the eyeball pattern. So in the way that we would normally think, like, oh, we'll put a scarecrow and that'll scare birds away. Oh, that's right. Yeah. They're like, oh, if you put, uh, like, large concentric circles of different colors, it'll scare a bird away. Yeah. That's a, uh, the Japanese equivalent of a scarecrow is a big circle, like, eyeball pattern. Yeah. So it's kind of neat to see that written down here. I've used that before. I I remember hanging AOL CDs from trees to scare away birds. Ah. Yeah, man, they're like, ah, oh no, free AOL. <laughs> it's, it's a, a bad interface. Oh no. They'll never actually cancel it. They can also just be bird brains, which I thought was cute. If you're a bird brain, <laughs> birds just forget everything. Yeah. Like, why like, do they need to re- retain information? Yeah, because they're just like, I don't know how to do adult level things. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, so in that case, you're supposed to play your character as just not remembering anything from scene to scene. Just arriving fresh everywhere they go. And in exchange, they get their power, trust the wind. Because, you know, they're used to being forgetful. It's just not a hindrance in their life. In exchange, they... Uh, they can trade four uh, wonder for three feelings. Yeah, perfectly fine. So, neat. And I like that because it does make sense. It means you can straight up pay magic into being good enough to accomplish tasks. Now, we've been talking about wonder and feelings a bit. We should probably explain because that's... Pretty much the only mechanic in this is the wonder and feelings mechanics. Yes. So you get uh, wonder and feelings based on your uh, connections to other people and their connections to you. And uh, as we mentioned before, wonder is the magic powers. Feelings is the raise stats for checks on things rather than rolling dice. Ah, uh, yeah. Yes. Um. So to, you get both of them at the start of any given session, uh, which you do to get your wonder. Or any given scene. Scene, excuse me. Any given scene. Uh, and scenes can be very, very short. Because, again, this is a slice of life game that's all about telling small, fun little stories. Yeah. So you'll get uh, wonder equal to all the strength of your connections to other people. So how connected you feel to others gives you magical power. But the feelings is how connected other people are to you. So you'll get a, an amount of feelings points equal to the strength of all the connections to you. Yes. Now, connection is also probably a fairly important mechanic to discuss here. After all, it does provide all of your powers. Uh, in this case, connections are a, a numeric value you assign to every person in the game that you interact with, as well as the town. You can even have it with things like local spirits. And like if there's a, a big centipede that's in charge of the local river, <laughs> then you can you can have a relationship and a connection with that centipede. Yeah. Um, now to start with, you always have a strength to connection to the town. Mm-hmm. You usually have a strength to connection depending on how many players there are. So if there are uh, one or two other players, 
you'll have a strength two connection to start. If you have a larger group, there are three or four. You'll start with a one just so you don't have an overflux at the start of uh, like wonder and feelings. Yes. And each connection is also defined. Yes. So when you're assigning your connections out, you're going to start usually with, like John was saying, either a two or a one connection to each other player in the party. And you're going to want to go through and pick a little listing of uh, why you have that connection and what it reflects, what it comes out as. What is that connection? Is Mm -hmm. it because you trust them? Do you have respect for them? Are they your rival? Things like that. Yeah. Uh, So you can. Yeah, exactly. It it does mention you probably should not have a rivalry with the town. (laughs) Yeah. They're like, you. The town can't be your rival. <laughs> You're not like, I'll show the town. And then the town's like, well, fuck you. I'll show you, buddy. I mean, you could maybe want to be like, I'll show the town. I feel like Naruto might have started with a rivalry <laughs> with his town, right? Because they don't like him. And he's like, I'm going to fucking prove myself to all of these assholes. I'm going to take over because I love them so fucking much and they won't accept it. <laughs> uh And of course, the connection you have does not have to be the same way. So if I have a connection that's like, oh, I have a connection of trust for this other person. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I go to them in my times of need. I really, you know, I feel like they can help me out. They could have a connection to me of being like, oh, no, I just, you know, I accept them. I think... (laughs) They're fine. I'm aware of them and they're okay. Whatever. Yeah. As long as they stay in their fucking yard. <laughs> uh, so does not have to be the same. And of course, uh, there are two that are specifically limited in a way, which is the like description, uh, which can only go as high as two. If you have a uh, connection to someone that's higher than two, you don't just like them anymore. It's not just like, Oh, I'm, I, I know this person and they're okay. Mm-hmm. Your bond has become strong enough that you're like, you have to pick why this bond is that strong. And the opposite way of love, you can't have a love connection with someone and be like, yeah, I got a connection of one. I'm in love with them. Kind of. A, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to have at least a strength two for a connection to be considered love. I guess that's fair. I feel like I have like a one love connection with like Carl's Jr. <laughs> I have a one love connection with reggae <laughs> where you're like one love. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I, I've put you, it together. Hey, hold on. Hang on. Bob Marley. <laughs> ah, that was what made it funny. Here we go. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. You're welcome. So yeah, you'll start out with connections with the town and the other players. And depending on, you know, some weakness and power things. You might have some connections like, you know, as a dog, you might have a master you have a connection to. Yeah. But generally you'll make connections during play with the first time you meet someone, you can make a connection check. So the first time you meet someone, you'll both sort of roll to, well, you don't roll, but you both... You'll compare some stats. You'll compare stats, and depending... You'll whip them out. <laughs> measure. Depending on how uh, high that stat is, you will start with a you know connection that's either like a one, or if you get pretty high, a two. Yeah. And so, you know, if you meet someone for the first time, and you're like, oh, I want to have a connection with this person, you can throw some feelings at that check and be like... Great. I want to start out connected with this person right away. Yes. So uh, real quick, I want to describe one of the examples of play in here because I feel like 
it's a great way to convey exactly what this game is about. The core example of play, the one that's told over and over and over again from every perspective throughout the game, is uh, there are two henge. There's a raccoon dog and a cat, and they are hanging around in the woods when a little boy comes running down a path crying. And they sort of, the raccoon dog goes over to look at him, but, you know, she shouldn't be doing that. She's a raccoon dog, not a regular dog. And so he's immediately freaked out, and they they collapse into a little heap. And the ultimate story is he and his little friend, another little kid who's like eight or nine years old, uh, the two of them were walking around holding hands, and some older children in town made fun of them and called them boyfriend and girlfriend. And now he's confused and not upset about that because he never thought about things that way before. And he's trying to kind of... uh, rationalize, process his feelings. And meanwhile, along comes the girl who's slightly older and slightly more mature, the one who he had been holding hands with and trying to find him. She's upset at him for being so dumb in this situation and not just ignoring the bullies and going about his business. Yeah. And uh, our two henge kind of interact with both of them, try and figure out why the kid's upset, try to work out what they can do to help. Yeah. And, you know, they have probably a few little scenes in here, Mm -hmm. you know, because you... You have one where you're like, oh, let's try and help this little kid initially to, like, calm down, figure out what's wrong, get the backstory. And then, of course, we have the trying to reconcile these two characters with each other so that they're okay. And that's the sort of thing where this might be, like, two different scenes that you do. uh, And you would just, you know, try and help out. Be like, Yeah. yeah, let's. Let's try and make it so that these kids aren't angry at each other or sad or whatever. So you're trying to help out. And, you know, it's not your job to then be like, and now we're going to go find the bullies and we're going to talk to them. And you're like, no, man, you're just doing little everyday things. Yeah. And yeah, you wouldn't really formulate a plan to be like, oh, we're going to go put those bullies in their place. You're you're a, a, a raccoon dog and a cat. You're going to interact with the people that come by you. You're not going to formulate a grand master plan. Yeah. Instead, you're like. Oh, the raccoon dog turns into a clumsy <laughs> kid yeah. and is like, oh, hey, oh, well, you know, your friend definitely isn't hiding in the bushes over there, so you should probably leave. Yeah, the, when the girl, the girl's like, yeah, that's a great description. Is uh, I think her name is y- Yuka. Yuka, the little girl, comes down and she's like, I'm trying to find a uh, crying, very dumb little roundhead boy. Can you help me find him? And and uh, the, the raccoon dog's like, no, I haven't seen Naoto, and I don't know where he is, and I've never heard of him before. He's definitely not in the bushes, and you should probably leave him alone. <laughs> yeah. It's very cute. <laughs> uh, so that's... That, oh, one more thing I thought we should mention here. All the wonder feelings and dreams, you get a an allotment of them at the start of each scene, but you also carry over anything you earned from the previous scene. Yes. So... Uh, you know, you when you look at things, and you're like, holy shit, this moonbeam power is fucking 20 wonder. How am I going to get that? I'm getting like six per scene. Like, well, if you don't spend it and you have enough scenes, it'll, you know, you get rollover minutes here. Yeah. Which is definitely a thing that the kids these days understand. Plus a lot of the, the uh, animal abilities that you have are things like trade X number of feelings for X points of wonder. Yeah, you've got you've got some flux capability there. Mm-hmm. But generally, if you're like, oh, okay. Especially with wonder, if you're like, if I'm not using magical powers or anything, I'm just, you know, trying to help out. I turn into a person and I just chill. Even that costs wonder unless it's a very specific time of day. Yeah, if you're like, oh, it's evening and I turn into a kid, but I look 
you know, like I have ears and a tail, mm-hmm. then great, that's not going to cost me anything. I do like, one of the things I really appreciated about this early on was the fact that they mentioned that. They're like, yeah, you can turn into a halfway there, Henge, where you're like a kid with adorable giant fox ears. No one in town's going to care. <laughs> Everyone in town knows Henge exists. Even if they think they're kind of a weird mystical thing, yeah, you'll, generally you're the only people you're going to freak out are kids mm-hmm. who don't know that yet, yeah, and some visiting adults who'd be like, "What the fuck is this? I'm from a city." Yeah, but most of the time they're like, "Yeah, if you meet like some old lady that lives in town, and you're like." Hi, I'm a regular kid, you say, as you have a tail and ears. She's going to go, yes, of course you are, honey. Here's some fried tofu. <laughs> exactly. I'm just liking the idea of that out-of-town guy being like, what the fuck is this? I'm from a city. Where I'm from, all the talking animals have <laughs> Danny DeVito voices and cigars. The hell is this? Where's your, where's your little rat tail, huh? What's going on here? Hey, none of you are grimy at all. <laughs> Not one of you has offered me a sports betting racket. <laughs> Yeah, I got a horse race system. I know all the horse hangays. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the transformation for how much wonder it takes to turn into a person uh, depends on the time of day. It is most expensive during the daytime. So in the morning or during the day, it's four cost. Uh, in the evening, it's zero because that's that sort of twilight hour where you can be like, ooh, it's the mystical times. But then if it goes to full nighttime, it's plus two. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, your form, if you want to look completely human, it's another four points. Uh, if you just want a tail, then you only add two points. If you have ears and a tail, you don't add anything. So if it's evening and you have ears and a tail, doesn't cost you anything to transform. Yep. Totally free. Totally free to look like a weird little 11-year-old cosplayer. Yep. So, uh, So there you go. That's more or less the entire game. The rest of the book is given over to a couple of adventure scenarios. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, uh, the end of the uh, session. Oh, of course. Yeah. You please. lose all your uh, feelings and wonder. Mm-hmm. So you, you save well them. them. Yeah. You save them in between scenes. But by the time you get towards the end of a session, just be like, yeah, throw them at whatever. Who cares? You're not going to carry them over. Create a magical dance party with the moon rabbit. It's fine. <laughs> it's, everything's great. Yeah. Just be like, yo, I call in a bunch of Tanuki who start dancing. Mm-hmm. You turn them into dancing humans. Now we're dancing for a bunch of animals. <laughs> bunch of giant bald dancing humans <laughs> just and the sacks worst part out is, the worst part is they're doing that river dance and they've got those pants on <laughs> you can just see them and they're being lifted and separated uh but the one thing you do have is of course you use dream at the end to strengthen connections uh how strong that connection will be uh, will determine how much it costs so if you don't have any and you're like, oh, I know this person, but we don't have a connection, you can spend five to gain a connection to them at strength one. Yep. Uh, also five to go to uh, two or three if you were, you know, one to two or two to three. And then eight or 12 going to four or five, respectively. Yes. So you can uh, get up to a strength five. That is pretty much where it ends. They're like, look, if you've got a connection of strength five to something, that you really fucking give a shit about this, okay? Yeah. Like, there's nothing past that. Your rivalry is fucking intense, I gotta say. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Look, Bakugo is gonna hang out, and you're you're just real pissed off. I love that you've got the uh, the, the My Hero Academia as your, your go-to anime example. Yeah, man. 
It's the most like, Jesus, why are you rivals? You should be actual enemies. I've always felt like that's a very one-sided rivalry. Yeah. That's it, a great example of the connection setting. Exactly. Because he goes like, fuck it, I gotta be better than this guy. And this, and the other I've got a rivalry connection five. And, and Midoriya is just like, I've got a like connection of two. I will make you love me. <laughs> I have a respect connection of three with you. And he's like, rivalry five, let's go. I like that uh, the respect connection is everyone in Froppy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, um, the rest of the book is given over to uh, descriptions of how to build small towns and interesting sort of bestiary for both animals that you might find in the woods, uh, small gods you might find in the woods. And like I mentioned earlier, all kinds of different humans who are experiencing various problems that Henge might help with, which I like. I like, I really liked that the bestiary is based largely on adventure hooks. Yeah. That's like the whole point to it. Like, why would you meet a bear in the woods? You're not going to fight a bear, but what if the bear's got a problem? Yeah. So at this point, you're just like, oh, I find a dude and it's, I didn't find someone that's like, oh, I found a local constable. You're like, no, you found someone who is lonely. Yeah. They have stats for a lonely person. Exactly. <laughs> so I thought that was particularly cute. Uh, and then a couple of adventures that you could potentially run. So it's a nice, it's a nice fun read. It's a smooth book to get through. And honestly, it looks like a lot of fun to play. So why don't we get into that part of this, this, uh, this year's story. There's a here story. <laughs> this a here sweater weather. And uh, ask John what your favorite thing was about this game. Oh, wait, hold on. It says here, I have to ask John. John, what was your favorite thing about this game? Oh, thanks. Good. Mm-hmm. I, there's a lot to like here. Obviously, you know, I I very much enjoy a game that can focus on something that isn't combat, but it's not just that it doesn't focus on combat. I think that one of the marks of a very good game, and, you know, we've been doing this for a long time, is something that has an idea of what it wants to do, mm-hmm. has mechanics that do that thing. Specifically that thing, yeah. And... Does not worry about shit that isn't the thing it wants to do. Yeah, for sure. Because when you're saying it doesn't have combat, I want to, or it doesn't focus on combat. That is such a great thing to stress. Because like Unknown Armies says it's not a combat game. It's like, hey, stay the fuck out of combat. You'll die. And then what does it do? It has 45 fucking pages about combat. Yeah. This doesn't have combat section one. Yeah. They're like, hey, maybe you get surprised and it might make you fall down or run away that's it, my man. <laughs> like, that's what we got. Cute animal times. No one's throwing bows here, okay? Yeah. And the fact that, again, my favorite thing is that it focuses on what it wants to do and doesn't worry about like, oh, well, we don't have a full spectrum of range for a skill system or a whatever. You're like, no, dude, it's not about any of that. It doesn't need to try and cover all types of bases. Yeah. It is telling a type of story and it has what it needs for that type of story. It's it's a, a very focused game, which I appreciate. Yeah. yeah. So I like how tightly focused it is on what it wants to do and that it does it. What is your favorite thing in the game? I really like the descriptions and the way that the powers make sense for each of the animal types. Oh, yeah. I think that's great. Where they really, it's not just that a fox is basically just a slightly more agile, stinkier woods dog. They, they are a mystical thing that... They, they always end up in, in traditional garb instead of modern clothes. Uh, they, they have, and the, the few animal-themed powers they have are very fox-themed. Uh, rabbits, all their powers are about either having connections to the moon or uh, being lonely or just being agile. Yeah, uh, and I, I also, on that note, appreciate that they weren't like, 
ah, foxes, you get plus one adult. They're like, no, yeah. if you want to be a fucking fox with zero adult who's like, hey, I'm a fox, I'm two years old, don't expect me to be a 300-year-old fox kitsune. I am a moron. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, great, you can do that. You can build any of them any way you want to, but I really like the way that the powers reflect the actual nature of the animals. Yes. It, it comes through most clearly in dog. Dog is obviously the standout of the grouping. God bless you, dog. Dog is so good. Uh, but I, I just think that's that's a great way to do character design. So I, I'm going to say that that's my favorite thing. Great. What would you say is your least favorite thing about Golden Sky Stories? Uh, the the first translation. While. Real piece of shit translation on this. <laughs> I know exactly what clown you are. <laughs> yeah, I know who you are. <laughs> Bullshit clown, Pagliacci. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard of a more bullshit dog crap clown. No, of course the translation's fine. I, I mean, admittedly, there was weak uh, one weakness to the translation I, I I had, but ultimately, I think it's a very well tra- comp- uh, competently and well done translation. Oh yeah, no the I mean the only thing I feel has any sort of weakness to it is the uh, the dream mechanic, the like. <laughs> It's the gamer part of me that's like, yeah, but obviously I would give everyone who was in the scene a fucking dream. Like, why wouldn't I? <laughs> and not even a in the sense of like, I'm trying to game the system, but like, yeah, obviously someone would do something. And I'd go, oh, here you go. I mean, notably, I, I found my when I was reading the stories, I found myself being like, hey, give that cat kiss, or that cat Henge a dream. Because it'd be like, oh, well, the the. uh raccoon dog henge is like i bumble into them and knock him over and and oh i'm so squishy and he tumbles down on top of me and they're like oh that's very adorable have a dream what are you doing cat i'm a cat so i sleep in a tree i'm in a tree (laughs) nearby i don't turn into a human i'm watching and i'm like you know what i would give that a dream because that's what a fucking cat does (laughs) good job you did it here's here's your dream instead of i feel like if you want to play your character off a standoffish and aloof you should be rewarded when you are standoffish and aloof yeah uh but yeah i think I think dream is a little weird because especially you're like, oh, I can use this to strengthen connections. But outside of the other Henge and the town, you're like, I don't know if this will ever matter. Like if I strengthen my connection to that little kid, I might never meet that little kid again in the game. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's and again, this is the like barest. I'm scraping for something. I know I have the same problem here. The uh, what's. What is your deal then? It's going to end up being those little bear hints here and there of 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 uh, kind of making the characters sexy little kids, or or just like like body dysmorphic little like ew. I don't. I'm a raccoon dog, and some people say we're plump. You'd never say that, right? Oh, I'm not. Uh, I, if you do, I'll be so angry at you. And I'm like, I don't want this. <laughs> I just I just don't want this. I don't I don't want a a raccoon dog that's really uncomfortable in their own skin especially because it's written in a very you know i hate to sort of female stereotyped way where you know if it was being a description of a male raccoon dog they'd be like yeah we're fat and our balls hang out (laughs) who wants to see my big fat balls yeah Eh, tanuki (laughs) exactly so i'm like I'm not. I'm a, I'm a city raccoon dog. What up, Tanooks? <laughs> look, hey, all my I'm brother saying, Tanooks. Look, look in in 2024 for System Mastery to publish uh, smoggy sky stories. I turned all these leaves into Mama Spagooch. <laughs> <laughs> 
I love that. Also, I feel like the city dog has to be like a rain, a mangy chihuahua or something. <laughs> like you can't just be a cute, adorable woods dog. You have to be. <laughs> yeah, you're not just like I'm a perfectly groomed Shiba Inu. You're like, yeah. oh no, you are a disgusting little <laughs> mangy mutt. You get to be Dodger from from uh, from Disney or, or worse. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh. All right, so uh, so yeah, that I, I would say that, it, and um, you know, it, it's it's just the thing that gave me pause when I was reading the book, and that's, uh, and again, it's not that bad here. Uh huh. So it, it really is kind of bottom of the barrel scraping, looking for something negative to say. This is cute. Yeah, I mean, I would say there's something that when I initially read it, I was like, I don't know if I like that, which is, uh, you know, the whole you get feelings and wonder and it sort of passes on between scenes. I keep looking at it like, man, but if I make any check and it's like, Hey, the check is a four and you've got a two and whatever. I'm like, all right, well I'm spending two of my like six feelings. You're spending uh, three. You lose ties. Yeah. Then I'm like, God, I'm already spending so much, but it having this thing where it's like, yeah, you start out and you kind of are like bumbling, goofy, not, really effectual but as it goes on and you bank more and more you're like when it comes down to the scene where you actually solve a problem you're like yo i'm motherfucking magical and competent yeah you know it, it's perfect i mean you know when you first meet ponyo in the t in the film ponyo in the titular ponyo in, in the titular ponyo it's not it's not like uh, that little fish girl is like automatically solving everyone's problems she's mostly just demanding ham and growing legs weirdly <laughs> same <laughs> <laughs> so but eventually she does cool magic stuff towards the end this kind of builds a supernatural fun story exactly as opposed to being consistently supernaturally whimsical throughout. yeah instead of it being like we go into a scene and i have the same power level in every scene which would then make you either feel incompetent or hyper competent this building to a point where you're like and now i can solve a problem i'm like that's nice. Yeah. Again, because it's telling the type of story it wants to tell. Yeah. It, it encourages you to be sort of bumbling and failing in your first interactions with it, with the, with the, uh, the, the person you're, you're helping. Yeah, you can, you can be like, Oh, I want to do a thing. All right. The check for that is a four. I am not spending to do that. I will fail. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. If you fail, maybe you'll, maybe you'll endear yourself to them in some way. It's fine. Yeah. So there you go. Would you play this? Uh, I would definitely play this. This is, <sighs> I don't know that I would be able to do like a full, like, this is what we play, like campaign, the sort of like, we get together every week or other week to play this. No, I don't think that, I, I mean, it has rules for that kind of mechanic. Yes. That's, I mean, that's yeah. what dream is about is being able to build that long-term connections to yes. things. But for me, this feels like such a great palate cleanser of a game yeah. to be like, Hey, we've spent the last fucking six months playing D D or whatever and then you go guys can we please just play something nice and, and sweater weathery <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's perfect for that I, I i would like this as a con game oh yeah for sure um or just as a one shot any in any situation and especially, especially as a con game because it's a game at a convention where you could be like ah i don't need to worry about the other people being like i'm gonna try and fuck things over or try and do like my stupid goofy plans that i normally do you're like yes fuck you we're playing golden sky stories you are a cat shut up <laughs> <laughs> I, I do like to start that way that is my one shot method is to be like all right especially we're playing, golden sky fuck, stories fuck you we're playing golden sky stories you're a cat shut up <laughs> shut the 
fuck up. You're a cat now. That's how I like to set the tone for Golden Sky well, Stories. That's, that's how, that is the official start to our version of the game, Smoggy Sky Stories. <laughs> All right. You're a fucking pigeon. Shut the fuck up. All right, everybody. <laughs> you got to be one of the good feathers now. <laughs> <sighs> all right well anyway there you go i would also play this game especially as a one shot it feels like it'd be a really fun little one shot kind of i would also i would assume this is a great game to haul out at parties with people who you know are only sort of aware of role-playing as a hobby yeah i, I think that kind of thing where you're like oh I, I have people who have been asking me what you know this is kind of a very personal version of it because i have a lot of people who ask me what i do for a living and then are not ready for the answer and this is a great way to be like, yeah, it's role-playing games. And they're like, you mean like Dungeons and Dragons? And I have to be like, not always. Let's no. play this fun one. <laughs> no, let's play a fun game instead. Exactly. So, so yeah, uh, I'd play this. Yeah, and I do like, I would also uh, have this as a campaign, as a series of one-shots in between other games as well. So that whole like, oh, we've played yeah. a game for, you know, three or four months. Now let's play a session of Golden Sky Stories, picking up the same characters and be like, Yo, it's been four months in this town. Mm. You've mostly been dicking around being an animal, but now there's a problem for you to solve. I love it. I like that conceptually. So anyway, uh, what are we going to do now, John? I think we'll go make bonus content characters. That's right. As long as Jeff's voice can hold out, we will continue making content. So we are going to go to make characters in Golden Sky Stories. Will I make a dog? You'll have to go to Patreon.com. Not if I make a dog first. Oh, we are going to be two dogs and we are going to be best friends. <laughs> two stupid dogs. Shut the fuck up. You're a dog now. Shut We're best up. friends. You're, both a, you're a dog too. <laughs> uh, so head on over to Patreon.com slash System Mastery, the bargain basement bottom level pledge you can do. $2 a month. Gives you all of the bonus content we have been doing for years for this show. All of the characters we have made in all of these various games. That unlocks at the $2 level. You can also go up to the $4 to get you all the Star Wars content where we dick around in Wikipedia just finding the absolute trash nonsense from around that entire expanded universe. Turns out if you write 7,000 books about a topic, there's a lot of dumb stuff. Plus the comics, plus the video games. Yeah, there's a ton of stuff there. And... At the $10 a month level, you unlock everything, all of the other shows we've mentioned, plus TV Mastery, where we go through some of the weirder bits of TV history that we have been watching. Right now, we're watching the 80s Auto Man, which is just a treat. Oh, it is a chef's kiss. <laughs> Whoever expected a show would need to always start with the same five minutes explaining the premise. <laughs> the show, too complicated to start right away. <laughs> and you get our monthly afterthought and, of course, access to things on our Discord, special patron-only channels. And you can ask us questions for the afterthought, much more conversational, loose podcast. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's where you get your time to shine and hang out. And uh, also on the Discord, you can go ahead and tell us we're dumb assholes for various things. Yeah, please do. Yeah. So if you want to join the uh, Discord, find us on Twitter at System Mastery. There's a permanent link there. And you can also find me at Gurgle Spasm on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, hanging out and doing dumb bullshit. Yeah, tweeting stuff, riding out Twitter till the very end. Just just riding it down like into the ground. Like two weeks from now. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you know, I'll be paying my $8 in order to, I don't know, have, have a, a blue, blue check, check for some reason. 
I will right after I change my name to the name of a senator or something. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, that's. I feel like that's going to be the guaranteed way to do that. I mean, the <laughs> couple months it'll just be like, oh, who's people who have blue checks? Uh, asshole trolls and advertisers, and that is it. Yeah, this is a hellscape now. <laughs> Uh, I can't wait to get back to Tumblr where I'm finally allowed to show tasteful nipple. <laughs> Only tasteful nipple, though. <laughs> Delicious, tasty nipple. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you with the bonus content. Enjoy sweater weather, and you all have a good one. love Star Wars but kind of wish you didn't? Then join us on the Expounded Universe podcast as we read through all the old Star Wars novels that took the galaxy far, far away that you know and love and turned it into a place where Han Solo can punch a giant otter and Luke Skywalker almost gets eaten by a giant gold-plated pillar of Dinty Moore beef stew. Did you like Princess Leia? Well, too bad! Now she's a space racist! Don't believe me? You'll just have to listen to find out on Expounded Universe.